Well, hi guys. Welcome to One Rule. Let's go around the room first. Introduce everybody. I'm Julian. This is Aaron. This is Gabe. This is Cole. I recently watched Jungle Cruise, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I saw pictures of that, but not the actual thing yet. Well, uh, you know, I have to admit something. Uh, I went into this movie with actually high expectations. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Like, sort of. Um, but I just, I lost it, you know? Because it just felt so uh, cheap, you know? Mm -hmm. It just felt like such a, a cash grab, and it just felt like it was trying to be an Indiana Jones movie. With Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's kind of what it looked like, as, yeah. As the lead role. Mm -hmm. I guess and at then, least something is trying to be an Indiana Jones movie, <laughs> if yeah. not Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, and then I then I look up uh, an article only to find out that this movie is supposedly trying to uh, create an intertwined universe with Indiana Jones and what? Jungle what? Cruise. No, you can't. That's not legal. Oh, no, with think, with the Rock. Sure. Oh no. Was this necessary? No. I'm pretty sure that's against some law. Somewhere. I think. I, th I think that was this necessary about almost every sequel that has ever been made. <laughs> What's one good sequel? This, this is something we got in an argument Thor about Ragnarok the other day. Is a great sequel. Wreck-It uh, Ralph 2. I don't really like it. But I feel like Thor Ragnarok is its own movie. It's not even a Thor sequel. It's just like a, a Marvel um, movie in its own. Dark Knight? That's a one? sequel? Isn't that a sequel? The Dark Knight is a sequel. It is. That's a good one. I guess so. It's probably the best sequel ever yeah. in that instance yeah I, I yeah we got in an argument about this the other the other day my i say that uh most movies should not have sequels i think i i think uh yeah unless you have a dang good reason to continue this you know i think hey, if i mean to some extent just make a tv show mm -hmm. right i also don't like tv shows wait why didn't you i love tv shows <laughs> I think that that's something I actually feel pretty strongly about. If there's any genre of movie that can actually do a successful job at creating a sequel, typically it's an action movie. Action movies in that genre usually have a good excuse to just make get a more of the same thing. Yeah. However, comedies are the hardest to make sequels to. I feel like it's pretty easy to make a sequel to a comedy movie. You just got to so? serve up more comedy. <laughs> I mean, <it's laughs> see, comedy movies typically have like a story that makes the comedy like an idea surrounding and this movie was all set up around the idea of hey there's this guy who's dating this girl and he has to meet his parents before they get married and all this stuff is going on mm -hmm. uh, her her family are these psychopaths wouldn't that be a hilarious movie yes that would be hilarious <laughs> so let's make the movie oh wait we can do a sequel what do you mean well what if they meet his parents and his family Oh my god, we just opened up a totally new world of characters. We can make this movie twice. Right, yeah. But with different characters. Which is, I mean, how it happens in life too, right? Yeah. I mean, I like those movies, but I think the only thing I really remember from them is the gags. So, do you think that what we really don't like is dragging out a story longer than its intended purpose? Yes. Yeah. That is what I really don't like. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't like TV shows in general. That's why I don't like Tenet. So... If that's if that's the case, you know, if some if a director was to go out with the perspective of making a three movie series and created a story specifically for that, then technically that would be good as long as that was like the intended purpose. From yeah, I, mean, I think dare the problem, I say dare I say I think the original Star Wars trilogy is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. 
It uh-huh. works. Uh huh. Yeah. I, this doesn't this go back to like, is it just a cash grab, or or was this like the artistic intention of mm-hmm. the people who made it? How many? How much of the time do they do a movie? It does really well. And they're like, oh, we made so much money off of that. Let's just do another one. Same thing with like Parks and Rec and stuff. For me, like if that was a movie, that would be. I, that's why I like TV shows. You know, it gets lets you get to know the characters for a long amount of time. I I, I think the one of the best TV genres is the sitcom mm-hmm. because it it more it, situations uh, get it, thrown at. Yeah, it yeah. works. Mm-hmm. It works. You have you have like what. Um, you have the constants, and then you have the things that change in every episode, and and you could you could keep that going forever. I think the TV shows I really have beef with are the ones that have are supposed to have an overarching plot, mm-hmm. and the show goes on for seasons. Right. And they, they withhold information from you. It can you can feel them doing that. You can you can tell there's filler episodes. You know, right, right, you right. can even sometimes detect that they have no idea where they're gonna take it. Right. I no, despise I agree with that. that. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Scary movies. Are also pretty easy to make sequels to, I feel. Scare them again. <laughs> Scare them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quiet Place. Now they're mm-hmm. coming out with a third one. Yeah. What did you guys think of the second one? I think they did a good job of explaining sort of the origin. It definitely was a filler episode to this series. Like, they had to make this movie in order to make the third one. I kind of think that's what Tenet is going to be. You think they're going to make a sequel? Well, you know, Tenet and Inception are in the same universe. What's the explanation for that? I kind of, I kind of, you know, I just kind of like dropped the ball with Tenet. Like after I watched it, I'm like, this movie, I hate this movie and I'm never going to do research to try to understand it. <laughs> I haven't researched it. I don't know if there is more, but just like watching it, because knowing that in trilogies, the middle movie is almost always the worst. And it's generally because they're focused on how they're going to end their trilogy. Mm-hmm. And so they're focused on putting more emphasis on the last movie. Because they're trying to come up with that while they're doing the metal one. Mm-hmm. That's so what I kind of wonder the, if that's what happened with Tenet. It's it smells like the Unbreakable trilogy, which I sure hope it's nothing like that. Oh my word! Unbreakable is a masterpiece. Split, and then Glass was garbage. Trash. Yeah. It just progressively got worse. Mm-hmm. The Cloverfield movies. I still oh, need to see the yeah. Paradox. I've heard it's bad. I'm sure it's bad, it's but bad. I need to see it. Don't waste your time. No, I need to. I need closure. I need to see it. The only scene worth watching is literally the very last episode where the Cloverfield monster himself shows up in the clouds. Mm. I think. I think. I mean, without having seen the paradox, I think the best one is Ten Cloverfield Lane. That oh, without a doubt. So good. Yeah, absolutely. But so that was actually my point of bringing it up, is because I haven't seen the last one either. Mm. Actually, I haven't even seen the first one. But I just know that the middle one is the only one worth watching. And that's like a very yeah. rare thing for a trilogy. Was that another Abrams one? I think so. There is also, of course, The Empire Strikes Back. That's an example of a middle movie that's good. They used the fact that it was the middle movie really effectively. It allowed them to have an unconventional ending. What else has he done? Dan Trachtenberg. <laughs> Trachtenberg. Dan, Dan Trachtenberg. Nothing and good. Nothing. I don't know any of those films. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's crazy is that's John Goodman. Yeah, the voice of Sully. He was so good at that too. He was so good at being such a creep. Like, see, I haven't even seen The Hunger Games. Oh. I need to see it. Really? Wow. I haven't seen it. Wow. I thought you would have. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. What happened was it was just like so huge that I was like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> see, that that's actually what happens to me. I, I get repulsed by things that are, like, shoved in my face. Yeah. 
<laughs> here, watch this. Yeah, and then uh, I'm like, how about no? Hunger Games actually... Which may have up to caused me to sleep on one of the good ones, actually. It, mm-hmm. No, it, it did live up to the yeah. hype. Hunger Games yeah. is a fantastic movie. I mean, especially the first one. The first one. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, they, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. First one was a masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. Okay, so we have 20 minutes to talk about the M1 chip in the new MacBooks. And I can I can go off on this if everybody's prepared. Yes, go off, King. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so... We all know that Apple is winning the chip race right now. Mm -hmm. All of us know that. The chip race? Intel hasn't innovated in a long, long time. AMD started making some decent stuff, but it's more power efficiency and some high-end stuff. They're, They're not super winning. Nobody else is making chips in the world. NVIDIA is making graphics cards, and they're doing fine. They always have been. Then Apple comes along, and they start making these... Basically, it started when they started making incredibly powerful iPhone chips. And that was years ago. Kind of the 5S was the first, like, wow, that's an amazing chip. Yeah, the first one that had a name was, like, the A4, right? I mean, Yeah, I don't think and, they... and the first one that was 64-bit was the iPhone 5S right. chip. And, and, and Qualcomm I've... never caught up to that. Exactly. Once they started doing that, it was like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. So... Apple, for a long time, has had a few generational leaps ahead of Qualcomm, which is the only people who make Android They're chips. They're also the Intel in... of Android chips. Exactly. Refusing to innovate. Right. Yes. Very lazy. Yes. Very complacent. Very, very monopolistic. Bad. Yeah. But <laughs> they are the only alternative to Apple making chips for mobile devices in the U.S. for a long time, up until very recently. So Apple just got such an incredible lead that Qualcomm would never really be able to catch up unless they actually in- invested like effort into it which they haven't. You might have an Intel chip that's like the i9 whatever, the highest end desktop class chip and it'll be super super powerful, but it's But it also puts out 160 watts of heat. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah, so you can't throw that in a laptop. You can't put that in anything that's not like, you know, water-cooled essentially. Mm-hmm. So it just takes like a ridiculous amount of power in order to make that amount of power. Same. <laughs> so Apple created extremely power efficient chips because they were limited by the iPhone's battery. It's a mobile processor and they just mm-hmm. tried to push it as far as they could. And then they realized, hey, this ratio that we've Powerful developed is, is good enough that we can actually add it to a desktop or a laptop enclosure with the thermals and the battery capacity of that and have a ridiculously powerful computer that will be able to compete. I think the iPad Pro was like when... Or in the laptop enclosure. When that kind of started. Like when they started with the, the X and the Z and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the iPad Pro was like, oh, yeah. hey, you know what? Oh, wow, they're serious. We can make a mobile chip that can do And lot. then like the, the editing apps started ha- popping up on the iPad mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, it can actually like edit 4K footage. This, this is cool because like a lot of... A lot of enthusiasts including myself for years have been thinking this like can we please have big arm processors because (laughs) yeah they they would be good right yes (laughs) i think everybody everybody knew that for a long time in fact apple switching to arm is something that has been rumored since they switched to intel true yeah (laughs) i'll give you a big arm processor (laughs) um so 
it's it's pretty exciting that Apple finally did it. Yeah. So Apple made this transition. They have a whole new form of Rosetta and stuff. Like it's it's the whole you know Power PC to Intel thing all over again. Yeah. But I will I will say so great. partially what what I think kind of led up to this was Nvidia's Tegra chips. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Those like in the were, in the Shield. Yeah, they were like, hey, those look, really we can make a beastly mobile chip. Yeah, but those were mostly graphics fo- focused. Yeah, because they're for games. But you they know? were super impressive at the time. Like, but then they just never kind of innovated on those. To be honest, they just stopped. Like Nvidia didn't make a Tegra after that. It's like, what's the market for it? Mm-hmm. You know, right? Like, there's. I think the Nintendo Switch is the biggest thing that uses Tegra. It, it still uses an old Tegra, though, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, they. That's how game consoles work. They keep on selling the exact same hardware pretty much for like seven or eight years before they make any changes yeah. to it. So, yeah. so, so Apple basically just said, let's put these in bigger envelopes and then let's multiply this ratio that already exists up to the scale of the laptops. And they did that with the MacBook Pro the last year, the MacBook Air and Pro, which is the 20, what, 19, 2020 um, MacBooks. And release that has the M1 chip in it and now just recently they multiplied that to an even larger factor in the M1 Pro. They just said these are exactly the same chips as honestly are in the the iPad Pro from the the A12Z processor. Mm-hmm. They're they're like pretty similar to the those chips. So the performance chips uh, the performance cores, I should say, and the power efficiency cores. They just said, let's put a lot more performance cores in these high-end MacBooks that really released this year. Mm-hmm. And now they're blowing away everything. Case in point, in the 16-inch MacBook, Apple released an AMD graphics card that was like unbelievably great in the middle of like a production year. It was it came out in like 2019 or something. It had a dedicated AMD graphics? Dedicated AMD graphics, but it was like a ridiculously good AMD graphics card. Hmm. And it was like about three or four times better than the last ridiculously good AMD graphics card that mm-hmm. they put in. So this was a massive leap forward. Mm-hmm. And then the a- the M1 Pro came along and like doubled that mm. uh, with like 16 hours of battery life. Finally, someone is showing that integrated graphics is the way to go. Right. I am so tired of the PC community hating on integrated Everybody graphics. Everybody is like calling the, these things integrated graphics in this new MacBook. And it's like it just this this name doesn't work anymore because it's it, it's it is better integrated, than but integrated has such a stigma yes, associated exactly. with it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's crazy. It's also crazy that they were able to like put it in other things or just the M1 chip, like in their iPads. Mm-hmm. Supposedly next year they're coming out with glasses with the original M1 chip in it. Wait, Apple glasses? Glasses with an M1? <laughs> yeah, and it's just because it needs that amount of power in order to do. Um, what do you call it? AR. AR, yeah. Live. <laughs> but still, it's like a, a Mac processor in glasses, which is hilarious. So, oh. jasmine rice or basmati rice? Honestly, basmati, I would yeah, say. Basmati. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Have you noticed uh, there's a lot more books today about productivity and self-help books? I like have such an emphasis put on productivity. It no, actually has critical. negative effects on society. And the reason why is because everybody is so reliant on having something psychologically explained instead of figuring it out on themselves for themselves. For instance, social dynamics, like the, the psychology of like a social dynamic uh, and like in a social setting, how to act, uh, how to behave 
in a certain way so as to not look like an idiot you know and so what that's doing is it's creating almost like a a blueprint for a person on how to act whereas there's clearly a natural way that a person should act and just to be themselves what i think about that is that hey you know what like there's nothing wrong with books and knowledge you know i i I don't think there's anything wrong with that um but it's uh i do question whether that is the solution do we i mean a lot of people do need to increase their productivity but on the other hand uh what motivates us to increase our productivity right is it's we feel like we need to increase it because other people are more productive than us, right? I think usually that's the metric, mm-hmm. right? It seems like other people are accomplishing more. Keep up with more. the status quo. Exactly. And our whole society is at the risk of sounding, you know, like one of those people, right? Everybody's moving too fast, mm-hmm. right? If everybody were to slow it down so then that we, we could all relax a little bit. renaissance. <laughs> yeah, so that we could all relax a little bit more. Most people need a car, to live their life right but obviously we were fine before we had cars right Mm -hmm. the only reason you need a car is because if you don't use one you're not going to be able to do things as fast as everybody else right everybody's just lifting up the activity it's a race everybody's in a race and if we would stop being in a race we might enjoy our lives (laughs) we wouldn't be in a race anymore (laughs) yeah we could still be productive in a car you never redline Right. You always change gears before you redline. If you did redline your car all the time, the car's gonna burn out. The engine's gonna seize up. Imagine changing gears to stay redlining. Whereas I think with society today, I think ones often redline themselves too long, burn out, mm-hmm. and is a constant perpetual cycle of redlining and burning out and redlining and burning yeah. out, mm-hmm. and are really frustrated because they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas most cars... Just stay in the middle. Yeah, most cars, like 70% is like your max. Which is interesting because statistically, most athletes train at 70% their max. Whereas they perform at 100% their max. Yeah. So they train and they train and they train at 70%. Because they know if they go up to 100%, they need to rest. And that rest would actually interfere with how much practice they can squeeze in within a certain period of time. Realistically, though, I mean, what is the time when most human progress occurred? I mean, I think of the Renaissance, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, like, a whole bunch of, like, art and advancement, not just in, in, like, what we are technically capable of achieving, but, like, in the way that we think and what we value and the way we can express ourselves. I feel like that is very valuable, Mm -hmm. and that's something that doesn't happen because of productivity it literally happens when people slow down and, and think for longer about things right i think the industrial revolution which is the opposite i mean that shows productivity as being something that does make a lot of progress i guess it just depends on what you value okay i have i have actually quite a bit to say on this i remember reading this statistic that in 1880 like five percent of the population lived in cities and by 1920 over a third of the population lived in cities this huge migration of people into cities Mm -hmm. whereas if you think about their life before they were living in in farms Mm -hmm. you know they knew each other's like neighbors generally like the communities went back generations your reputation in the community has been tied back through generations like families are looking and comparing people and each other 
based off of like decades of experience and record time. Now everybody moves into cities. There's way more people there than you can reasonably get to know very well. And so as a result, it really created this need to express and convey who you are within a relatively short period of time. And I think it's resulted in a lot of insecurities. It's interesting, a lot of different like marketing things started at that time, one of which was like uh, Listerine. So Listerine would post these ads saying, everybody's talking about you behind your back. It was essentially like this campaign to sell product that they had created. But Bad Breath had never existed prior to the 1920s. It wasn't ever a thing considered. Soap companies did the same. Almost all of your hygiene products. Gillette purposely took beards out of fashion because they wanted to sell razors. Really? But on the other hand, I am kind of a nerd for marketing and like branding and stuff. So I do admire a good advertisement as long as it's not like something insidious, like what you were talking about that like creates insecurity. Yeah, I was thinking of, so just the general productivity thing, when the space race was going on, all the NASA engineers, especially close to the end, worked a ridiculous amount of overtime, right? I mean, they were just, they lived there just working on trying to beat the Russians in, in the race to, to the moon and NASA was successful, but obviously their quality of life was close to zero mm -hmm. at that time. So people made a sacrifice in their quality of life for the sake of accomplishment, and they were all fine with doing that. I just think a lot of people today live making that sacrifice for the sake of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Is it because we have a limited life and we just want to accomplish as much as we can before we die? Yeah. It's true. With that in mind, here's an announcement for all our listeners. We're currently in production of a new project. What is this project called, Julian? Un is it Untitled Mystery Show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for now it's untitled. Yeah. But uh, right now we're working, Julian and I, uh, and others who may be interested. Are, are taking a severe cut in our quality of life for this product. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Speaking of thing, getting things accomplished before the end of our lives, we're getting together a little project of creating this short film that really has been in the making for five years. It's a story that I wrote five years ago, and uh, I've been wanting to turn into a short film ever since, but never got the opportunity to. But now we have the opportunity to. We do. And it's going to be a mystery thriller. The plot is a man wakes up in his car in the middle of nowhere, and he has a series of flashbacks that give him clues as to how he got there. He doesn't know why he's in this car in he the middle of the woods. He Did you watch Memento yet? I have not. Oh, man. Must. Have you seen it, Cole? Oh, it's so good. No. It's, it, it's, it's definitely something, like, based on what I know about this project, it's yeah. definitely something that needs to be, like, seen... For inspiration. For inspiration. Yeah. Cool. That's one of Christopher Nolan's first movies, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of his earlier ones, yeah. Huh. Isn't it? Almost all of his shows are based off of time. Mm-hmm. I think I remember hearing something about that with Memento. I've never seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. But... It's, it's, it's a Christopher Nolan movie through and through, and you have to watch it more than once. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this, this is a short film. This is, this is nothing really over 30 minutes long, but it's uh, going to be shot on glorious 16-millimeter film. Glorious. 16 millimeters. Glorious. That's it. Shameless plug. What? And now, returning to our normally scheduled programming. That's a mono microphone. You're not going to make any... be like... This will severely devastate our production of cheese puffs in the 2022 fiscal year. 
It's like, hey, is this how they make that one TikTok sound? <laughs> oh, God. I got news, son. We're making cutbacks. I want you out of here by the morning. As if you would stay overnight or like. Okay, we'll be back.